Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Good day, gladiators. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sword and Shield podcast. My name is Frances Martinez, Director of Psychological Health for the 960th Cyberspace Wing. And I have two very special guests with me today. I'm uh, Master Sergeant Pienta, I'm 16th Air Force uh, Mental Health Programs Manager. So essentially what I do is I strategically and operationally manage the Airman Resiliency Teams for all of 16th Air Force as uh, 10 wings. Uh, just to understand a little bit about what an Airman Resiliency Team is, uh, in most layman's terms that I could put it, it they are the embedded operational support medics, mental health, religious affairs, et cetera, et cetera, that provide services in regards to resiliency to our Airmen and Guardians. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Emily Rucker. I am an IMA, so Air Force Reservist, uh, to the Surgeon General's Office for 16th Air Force. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist by training, previously uh, active duty psychologist for 14 years with the Air Force, um, and now support Colonel Kent, the 16th Air Force SG, and whatever he needs regarding mental health. Yeah, and we have a very good relationship <laughs> with 16th Air Force. Um, we've done a lot with you guys, and we really appreciate you guys coming out today um, to to record the podcast. And today's topic is going to be mental health. Yay! So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so it's really important for us to um, again destigmatize and normalize mental health as a whole. Um, but as you guys know, cyber Air Force cyber and cyber wings, uh, we have. You know, 99% of our folks have some sort of clearance, and the fear of seeking mental health is always there because of that whole myth of, I'm going to go to mental health, I'm going to lose my clearance, or something's going to happen. Um, the other thing that I always hear is that, well, if I go to mental health, you guys are going to med board me, and how am I going to, you know, live or support my family and insurance and things like that. So those are some of the topics that, you know, I want to kind of talk about today um, and have your expertise and, and kind of debunk some of those myths and kind of talk about what mental health really is and what it's not. Um, I know uh, Sergeant Pienta and I were talking earlier um, that you know, I see active duty patients at, at Wolford Hall um, as part of uh, the clinical role that I, that I do. Um, and most people that I see generally don't have a, a diagnosable um, disorder, right? It's like, we all know that when we're talking about mental health diagnoses like uh, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, generalized anxiety, there's very strategic or specific criteria that has to be met in order to be diagnosed with something, right? Um, just because you have a problem, like, hey, I'm having work-related stressors or 
um, trouble with my spouse or my kids doesn't necessarily mean you have a mental health disorder. You want to talk a little bit about that? Correct. Absolutely. Um, and I can speak to, you know, I was uh, worked in clinics for three of my assignments, so various MAGCOMs, um, various bases, and I would say 98% of the people I saw yeah, were coming in with symptoms that were troublesome at that time but were situationally based. They weren't necessarily severe problems that would qualify for a mental health diagnosis, a long-term mental health diagnosis most of the time. Um, it's adjustment to a, a situation that's going on at the present time and they are um, benefiting from just a couple of sessions with a provider just to help them look at different coping skills that they could utilize and then they're kind of they take that and run with it and they're they don't need our assistance anymore yeah um, it is quite rare I would say particularly for military members in general to have a severe mental illness um, it's just we're an overall generally healthy population doesn't mean people don't have troubles here right. and there but um, really quite a healthy population and most diagnoses are either um, they can be exacerbated by situations, right? Like we're gonna talk about PTSD. We all know trauma, combat-related trauma that folks have, have experienced. Um, and so it's how our body processes trauma is how we have you know, different symptoms or triggers or things like that. So um, I think that's you know something that people kind of assume everyone that has been to um, downrange or different places have severe trauma which really isn't the case because situations can happen all three of us in this room right same thing we all experience it differently and our brains process processes the <laughs> processes things differently and so um, just because we all experience the same thing doesn't mean we're all going to be affected the same way. Uh, so if I could speak to, you know, just in general terms, a lot of people will come up to me and ask me, you know, leadership-wise, how do I know if one of my airmen needs to go and seek mental health treatment? Um, and usually what I try to explain to them in the most basic layman's terms is, if you are having trouble functioning, in one of maybe five, six, seven different categories in your daily life, your daily routine, whether that be if whatever you're dealing with is affecting you occupationally, like you're showing up late to work, um, you're not able to produce at work, you're not a, as effective at work, if you're having trouble interpersonal, interpersonally with your relationships, if you're no longer um, okay in that relationship or you're not able to to do the same things that you were before you're not having fun leisurely you're not actually getting out and doing the same things that you were before uh, just basic functioning in life is if you realize that after a few weeks you are just not functioning on the level that you were previously then yeah you should probably go and seek mental health treatment but i think i think where people get caught up is that mental health is not your only avenue Mm -hmm. There are a lot of resiliency-based um, treatment options that you can go and seek out before you get to that 
that echelon of care. And I think once automatically somebody is dealing with something, they automatically assume that they have to go and seek mental health treatment because of the name, the umbrella. But, you know, there's military one source. There's your MPLAC. There is um, chaplain. the chaplain. And the chaplain doesn't only do uh, religious-based coaching or counseling. They'll talk to you about anything. And it doesn't even have to be religious-based. Um, you can contact uh, any program out there, and they're going to get you to the right spot. And, and rarely does anybody reach the level. Uh, when I say rarely, I mean, like Colonel Rucker said, 98% of the people probably don't reach that clinical threshold. And uh, they just need something to get them through that the current situation that they're in, and then that's it. Um, and I think that's that's really the defining factor is just making sure that you are continuously getting the, the resiliency help that you need, um, the preventative maintenance for your mental health, and then kind of, uh, if it gets to a point where your functioning is affected, then you can seek you know, mental right. health treatment. So the reserve wings, they have the, the DPHs, right? The Director of Psychological Health. So here, I'm, I always like, advocate and promote like let me be your first stop right and if I feel like we need to do something a little bit more progressive than what I can provide then we will go to the mental health clinic or you know get you a referral to an appropriate provider um, but generally speaking um, last month I saw 185 individuals so 185 um, individual sessions um, and one only needed to go to, uh, you know, further uh, further treatment. And so most of the staff that people are dealing with, especially coming out of COVID and readjusting to, you know, we're out of telework for, for our wing, right? And uh, I know a lot of people um, are having some challenges coming back and like, what does that look like? I've been teleworking for, you know, two years and having to readjust home life and work life. So um, a lot of those transitions. Um, but we also did see that during um, teleworking uh, days that we did have higher uh, levels of relationship stressors, occupational stressors, um, just because of that whole work-life balance or being at home with our partners 24-7. Um, I think a lot of people are right now reestablishing their new routines that new outside of the home routines, right? And even then, right, recognizing that it may not go back to exactly what the routine was before the pandemic because things have changed, even though we're somewhat going back to, um, there aren't restrictions as there were, it doesn't mean that things will be exactly the same. And so just being patient with that and understanding, you know, it'll take a minute to establish a routine and actually it's an opportunity to maybe establish a new routine that you didn't do before or, or make some space for something but yeah I do think that's difficult for people um, a lot of times because we like predictability and we like control and so it's a little bit unpredictable um, right now in terms of are things going to be exactly how they were or not and so just um, you know reassuring your, you know, yourself that hey um, you know if I need help or if I have any question I'm sure just coming to you and even saying, 
um, can I just consult with you about what my options are? Here's what I think's going on, or here's what I'm having trouble with, what are my options in dealing with that? I think the other part is that sometimes someone just needs to vent to someone, right? Oh, and absolutely. so I have a very open door policy, and so I joke with Colonel Esland, he's the group commander here. Uh, he's like, you're never available. And I'm like, I'm always available. That's why I'm never available because my door's yes. always open. So someone's always stops in for a five minute, like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, is able to get up and move on about their day. And so I don't consider that a mental health episode, right? It's just challenges that we're all facing. Um, and sometimes that little bit of decompression just to kind of reset or have uh, another set of eyes and ears to, okay, let's really break this down and what are you really faced with, right? Because our emotions do get the best of us sometimes and we can't sometimes think clearly uh, when we are, you know, our feelings are involved and sometimes we just need to look at the facts, right? And kind of break it down that way. Um, So we have a better understanding of what's going on and how to move forward, right? Again, it's not a mental health disorder. And I, I know you had mentioned that one of the big topics for people and concerns, again, seeking assistance is uh, their security clearance and how that's gonna be affected. Um, and so, you know, one of those things, having run a couple of clinics, um, I will say, so in the 14 years that I was active duty, um, I don't, I had never removed someone's clearance or recommended suspension as a provider. More often than not, by time people came to see me or see one of the providers in the clinics, their clearance was actually already suspended because of maybe things that had happened. And so Criminal, actually, financial, already, yeah, other there were, stuff. There were already issues going on mm-hmm. and it was already suspended and they're coming to seek assistance was almost uh, a result of the, you know, hey, this is already going on and now I'm coming to talk to you. Um, as a provider, the big um, thing we're looking for is judgment and reliability. Mm-hmm. So if you're demonstrating good judgment and you're demonstrating reliability, there is no concern about your clearance whatsoever from a mental health perspective. Um, seeking assistance when you're having trouble is a sign of good judgment. Um, it is a sign of reliability that you're, you're seeking out re- um, assistance when you know something's going on. Um, and it is very rare for a provider to recommend suspension. There has to be um, actions or behaviors suggesting someone is uh, increasing their vulnerability to exploitation or, or um, unable, potentially compromising information that would we, we would even then reach out. Um, there are a few occasions where it does automatically, um, the, the clearance maybe automatically gets suspended temporarily um, by the security officer um, until we get to see someone. So like if you you go to, for inpatient treatment for mental health or hospitalized, in my experience generally the security officer automatically suspends the um, clearance until you get discharged and mental health has a chance to meet with you to determine um, if, you're if, stable. if you're stable and what have you. And then generally it can get um, reinstated assuming that's the case. Um, that's a rare occasion. Um, and it's pretty specific, but otherwise, um, I've also done evaluations for people where it has already been suspended and they're looking to get it reinstated. And again, we look at judgment and reliability. Um, and so, uh, you know, if there's other specific concerns people have, I always encourage them 
they can call the mental health clinic and say, hey, I'd like to just talk to someone and get some questions answered or come and speak to you, to you and say, I have questions and come in with a hypothetical, right? And say, if this, how might that affect it? Um, yeah. I would much rather, as a provider, answer people's questions up front um, and then give them the opportunity to decide what how they're going to pursue um, assistance versus um, them not ever even trying because they're afraid right. of what might happen. I always try to be as transparent as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, look, <laughs> coming in here, talking about certain things, you know, this is what, you know, we're going to have to do, right? You know, if a suicidal person walks in, then it's going to be very different than the person that just sits in here and invents to me, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to have to talk to certain people and get the appropriate help, um, which could lead to hospitalization. But anytime anyone comes to me and it starts going down a certain path, I have that conversation with them like, okay, let's, you know, we're going to, I'm going to let you know this is what we're looking at here. Mm -hmm. um, but we've talked about the, the whole clearance I think it was like two million clearances were adjudicated. It's like twelve or and only twelve were 12 denied. Twelve of them were denied for mental health reasons only. That's a tenth of a tenth of a percent. That's less than one percent, but that's less than one uh, less than ten percent of one percent. Yeah, so it was like point zero zero five exactly. or something. Um, and the myth, uh, wherever it comes from, is 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 uh, is not founded at all um, based on that evidence but you know I'd like to speak on uh, you know in, including what Colonel Rucker said about seeking treatment help seeking behavior um, getting help early and often is almost always if not always better um, than not getting any help at all uh, that includes you know when we're talking about reliability and judgment in terms of um, your security clearance, but also for, you know, medical evaluation boards. I kind of put it like this to some people. Uh, if you were running around with a broken leg or a broken ankle and somebody said, um, hey, uh, you know, if you keep running around on that broken ankle, you're probably not going to be able to run for very long. Uh, oftentimes people don't equate, you know, medical issues with mental health issues, but they're kind of one and the same. If you're running around, it, it would look kind of crazy if you're running around on this broken ankle and you just kept running around on it and didn't get it fixed. Um, that kind of questions your reliability and judgment. And you're probably going to get med boarded for it. Same thing, same rules apply for mental health. If you wait too long, um, things can manifest. Things can get better. Things can, or, or excuse me, worse. And you may wind up on the wrong side. And so if you don't go and get treatment, your mental health symptoms can persist and get worse. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just think about it in terms of you know, the most radical, rational, logical thing that you can think of. Would you run on a broken leg? Most likely not. So why are you going to allow your, your mental health symptoms to persist without any treatment? And continuing on that with regards to med boards, the military has a responsibility um, to rehabilitate you. Mm -hmm. So um, that is our job in the mental health world, in the medical world, is if you're having trouble, we are responsible for trying to help rehabilitate or help you help you with treatment and so it is a rare occasion that you would come in and automatically a med board would happen without any sort of treatment so most mental health conditions are treatable and what I often tell people is really unless it's ex extremely extremely severe I usually estimate about a year mm -hmm. right 
because it can take a year to, to deal with things and to work on things um, before we would even consider that. I mean, it would have to be pretty severe to even consider a med board before that. Um, there are a few diagnoses that if you have that diagnosis, it automatically re requires a RILO, a re uh, report in lieu of a med board. Um, but even those, more often than not, it's a return to duty. But um, med boards are occur if your uh, condition is significantly severe that it precludes you from being able to perform your duty. So if you can still do your job and you're able to do your job, you're able to deploy, um, you're able to fulfill your um, requirements of your position, um, we don't have to, we aren't looking at a med board yet. Um, even if there's a temporary period where you can't do that, we still aren't looking at a med board yet. It would be, that'd be a prolonged period where that would be the case. So again, speaking to that coming in um, and getting treatment, um, or even this extends to medication as well. Uh, medication may put you on a profile for a brief period of time, um, but unless it's some, some very specific types of medication, which would go with some very specific types of mental illness, um, we're not gonna look at a med board for a while. Right. We're gonna focus on working with you and treating you. And I think the, to round up there, just so people have an understanding, about one in five people suffer from a mental health disorder, right? So military, militarily speaking, that's a lot of people, right? And so um, I know that, you know, the mental health clinics are flooded, sometimes longer wait times because people are going to seek treatment and I myself as a provider have not med boarded or recommended med board for anyone. Same with you, have not recommended uh, pulling someone's clearance. Um, you know, we've had to put people on profile just because of situational things. Um, so we don't, we don't feel like they're safe enough to, to deploy or go TDY. We just want to ensure that they're getting the care that they need until they're more um, stabilized. And so, I mean, we've seen successes even in our wing, you know, folks that have received treatment and are doing amazing have never lost their clearance. And so that's, uh, they're still here, they're not being med boarded. Um, and so these are all the, the things that we like to talk about, like, you know, really getting in front of things um, and educating people. Because everyone's going to say, oh, don't go seek mental health right. because you're going to lose your clearance or you're, they're going to kick you out, right? And so that's, that puts another level, uh, another level of stress on folks. And I would say those stories you hear about where people had their clearance removed or got kicked out, because um, I have, would have people come and tell me that, I would say, understand you probably don't know the whole story. Right. There may be parts in there that you aren't aware of that is why that right. uh, situation happened. Um, and if you're hearing it secondhand or thirdhand, you definitely probably don't have the whole story. Um, but again, when in doubt, go to your resources, your DPH, call your mental health clinic, ask the question. And if you and if you just say, I want to ask you a hypothetical, we all know that that means I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? We it it's it's clear up front. This is not a, a patient provider relationship, but you are asking a question because whatever we can do to get those roadblocks out of the way so that you can get help, I think every single one of us would would be more than happy to answer whatever questions. Absolutely. You know, on, on that note, just a couple examples of what Colonel Rucker is, is speaking to is, you know, mental health, mental health may have been involved in it, but you allowed it to fester to the point where 
possibly an administrative action was taken, like you had an alcohol-related incident because uh, you let things get too far, or you had a relationship issue and, and the first sergeant was called or the police were called, or you had, you know, obviously a domestic, uh, domestic dispute or something along those lines. So more than not, those stories uh, end with something that is not mental health related, but may have been caused by um, not getting the assistance that you needed. Yeah, and there's a ton of people here to help, and I think that's the important thing. Um, you know, always reach out to your DPH if you're if you're um, in a reserve wing. If not, you have your your shirts, your leadership teams, your supervisors, um, and then obviously the mental health clinics, MFLACs, Airmen and Family Readiness, chaplains. I mean, there's a plethora of resources available to support you, and that's what we're all here to do. So thank you guys for joining me today. I appreciate you coming all the way from Washington State <laughs> just for, for the us. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and you just coming around, you know, down from Lacklands. I yes, appreciate that. Yes, but to our listeners, if you or someone you know are contemplating suicide, please contact the National Suicide Hotline at 800 273 8255 and in July there's going to be the 988 number um, so that goes live in July so we're really excited about that so thank you guys again for joining us and Gladiators out <laughs>